A popular view of Dublin Airport is that it is the place where one gets a plane out of the country. And this undoubtedly is correct. However, it is more than this. It is Ireland's principal airport, carrying all the connotations of port. An intake point for passengers and cargo, with a backup of services and facilities. The international airports have had a steady increase in freight cargo over the years, and Dublin is no exception. Freight carriage is in fact a definite expansionist area. An indication of the growth of the airport can be found in the passenger figures. In 1940, 10,000 people passed through. In 1976, it was in excess of 2 million. The airport has grown accordingly. It now covers a total area in excess of 1,500 acres, with banks, shops, restaurants, car rental firms and so on. On Friday, August 19th, we followed the build-up and the backup for one flight. Flight 668, Dublin to Zurich, scheduled for takeoff at 1600 hours. Have a look at your bag, sir, please. Just put it up here. Can you open, please? Uh, my name is Jim MacDonald. I'm the Chief Airport Security Officer. Um, in charge of the airport security force. Um, the airport security force consists of uh, two branches, uh, police and fire service. Um, they will take the police service first. Uh, they uh, man the various checkpoints and uh, maintain traffic control and look after the general flow of passengers and visitors and such like. Um, we control access. The airport is divided into two parts, airside and landside. The airside is a restricted area, and uh, we man the various access points from landside to airside. What, what sort of security problems do you have here now in Dublin Airport? Well, uh, the parking is one, like uh, regular illegal uh, parking of cars. How about the more serious aspects of security? Bombs, guns, um, hijacking and so on? We have measures in, in operation. Uh, we, we have a check on all vehicles approaching the uh, terminal uh, that is located down on the uh, approach road at, at the... Uh, Old Georgian building down there. Uh, then we, we have a scrutiny on the car park. We have uh, an elevated observation tower which, uh, with uh, closed-circuit television cameras and that would keep a general uh, view of activity. Um, we have, uh, at the entrances to the passenger terminal, we carry out a, a check on uh, luggage and on the passengers. We use... Uh, uh, explosive detectors for this purpose and, um, and then we, we have the uh, international aviation requirements of uh, checking hand luggage before passengers board the aircraft. May I have your attention please? Would a Mr and Mrs Evers awaiting unaccompanied minors please come to the information desk? Mr. and Mrs. Evers, awaiting unaccompanied minors, please come to the information desk. Yes. Have you ever 
can I ask, please, is Mrs. Gilligan here to meet Anne Louise Gilligan? Is that possible? Yes, yes. Passenger list, please, on the Boston flight which has arrived. Would it be possible to page somebody? Mr. and Mrs. Philbin. P H I L B I N. Passengers from Boston. The Attention, please, would Mr. and Mrs. Philbin, travelling from Boston, please come to the information desk in the arrivals hall. Mr. and Mrs. Philbin, to the information desk, please. There was a message out there for Phil Orr and Moss Keane. Phil Orr. Phil Orr and Moss Keane to contact information. Pier Control are looking for you upstairs down to the right on the loop. Who's Pier it? Control. Pier Control. Aer Lingus Pier Control. Okay. Upstairs and down to the right. Upstairs and down to the right. Uh, this is the information desk uh, which we're at at the moment. Now, the equipment available to the girls, the information assistance, if you like, inside this desk is two monitors which reflect exactly the same information which is put out on our public television information screens. Uh, funnily enough, people who watch these screens don't often believe or credit what they see and will come back to the desk to reassure themselves on the status of any particular flight. In addition to those two monitors, they have uh, monitors from cameras which are located in the customs hall. From these monitors, they can see whether bags for a specific flight have arrived in the customs hall or not, whether people have collected their bags. In other words, they can give information exactly on the status of any arriving flight. Uh, further to that, they have an intercom system over which they communicate to our pod, which is uh, a tower located on the roof of the terminal building. The people uh, in that area can give them up-to-date information on departure time, arrival time, actual times on chucks and departure times. They can also obtain information from operating airlines regarding possible delays, etc. Coleman, I have an inquiry. Flight EI-668 to Zurich this evening. Will that operate on time? Uh, that won't get away in time either, John. It will be restricted by the ATC dispute at Heathrow. You won't be able to give me any time at this stage? Well, it won't be issued with a delay until the aircraft actually calls for start-up clearance from Dublin. Okay, thanks, Coleman. The information desk here in, in the airport is obviously a very busy place, and the girls here come yes. under a great deal of pressure. Yes. What sort of pressure is this? Well, uh, every kind of pressure, particularly in the summertime when there are so many more people travelling. And, like, for example, now at the moment, this past week, due to the ATC go slow at London, they're under constant pressure. And uh, people just don't seem to understand why you don't know what time of flight will come in. And you can't say, because at London at the moment, they're just sitting waiting to take off, and it can be hours, up to three hours, which has happened. But this sort of thing people don't understand. An airport is a sort of a meeting place for all sorts of strange people pass through, and some of them actually come out here. The airport attracts them. Oh, yes. What yes. sort of people, strange people, do you get coming to an information desk asking questions? <laughs> you get all sorts of queer people. Uh, people uh, coming out to meet people who they haven't met for years and come over to you and they say, uh, 
well, he said he'd be arriving at such and such a time. They have no idea of flight numbers or anything. They expect you should know what time you'd get to London, what time you should get on a plane, this sort of thing. And then you get the people who come out just to look at the air, airport and to see what goes on. And would they sometimes go up to the information desk and start asking questions? Oh, yes, where everything is. Even had somebody coming over the other day because they have a loan of a dictionary. Yes, we are. That's my niece. I'm just putting her on the plane this minute. Who's Mary Ann Byrne? Yes. Yeah, that's my niece. She's after boarding the plane, actually. She's actually, but there's somebody here wants to speak to her. Who is it? Just a lady. Excuse me, were you looking for Mary Ann Byrne? Yes. Oh, thank you. Are you Sheila by any chance? Yes, I am. Oh, I'm Mary Ann's aunt, Bree. This is my mother, Mrs. Byrne. This is Kathleen's friend. She's just after boarding the plane. No, we were here since... Actually, wait, I tell you, it was only for Kathleen last night told us. Mary Ann was told the plane wasn't going until 11.30 or 10.30, so we checked last night. I know, but we checked too. We were the wrong information. So last night uh, we rang again, and they said uh, she was to be uh, out here at quarter to ten. Checking at quarter to ten. Looking out of you, but I didn't know you. But she was looking out. We were an hour over there trying to check. She's in the no-smoking section. Well, I don't even have no... I don't even have... I never got well, the major problems at the big airports is the long waiting lines and the uh, lack of services from handling baggage and things like that. And I didn't find any problem here today. Some of the bigger airports, like uh, well, it was Chicago is the worst one I've ever been in. It was so vast that uh, if you weren't quick about moving around the airport, you'd miss planes. You had to go from one end to the other, and it was great long distance of moving from one terminal to the next. And I, well, it's because of the tremendous size and number of uh, airplanes coming into that airport. Kennedy and LaGuardia are two other airports I'm familiar with in New York City. And they're also very large, and uh, I think uh, this airport is uh, relatively modern, new, up-to-date compared to those, and service is very good here. Good afternoon. Where are you travelling to? Uh, flight 668 to Zurich, please. Right, thank you. If you just leave your luggage on the scales. And I need your ticket and your passport, please. Yes. Now, it's gate B24 at a quarter to four for boarding. Zurich 668. Baggage, uh, wrongly marked baggage can be a, a problem, but uh, it, it's it's a thing, uh, if we catch it early enough, and we ring the check-in, the check-in announce the, the client whose uh, bag may be if it's not marked up. Uh, if not, then uh, be sent back in for checking out, and um, it's, a, it's a matter of it be sent out on the, uh, the next flight to that destination. The pod, as it is familiarly known, is the ground control tower with responsibility for allotting apron space to aircraft and for feeding back to the information desk departure and arrival times. It is also the nerve centre of airport security. Apron watch, police two. Please two, go. Could you go to air cargo, please, to collect valuable cargo for flight 668 and take the stand 37? Stand 37, Roger D. 
Andrew Day, 668 Sierra Fox. Thanks. Can I have a sound for the 823 from Paris, please? Yes, that's Sierra Fox for the 668 to Zurich. Stand, uh, gate 25. Thank you very much. We are here in the security part at the top of the main terminal building. Here we have a bank of cameras that we can watch all these different areas in the main building. But if you're using these switches here on the right, you can switch to any of the key areas. Any trouble we see coming up on any of these areas at all, we can either get a foot patrol to them immediately by contact with the radio, or in the further outposts here, like the car park and the other outer buildings, the head office block and that, we can send the police car, which is also radio controlled. Each camera is controlling three different points. We switch onto each point. Several of the cameras are panning cameras. We can tilt or focus in on the various points. We also have up here the main fire phones. And we can, the pot is manned 24 hours a day. Any fire calls that come in on the emergency phones would come to here. And we can pass it on immediately to the fire station through the direct contact here. We have behind us the security um, fire control. This is worked by fire, uh, by fire, heat or smoke alarms around the building. Yeah, well, he was cleared in by the man on number one post uh, to do some job. It was it's a short-term job there, and he's uh, trying out some equipment, a fan. So the uh, handiest way of bringing it in was to bring the car in. The man on number one post cleared it through and on the uh, request from the hangar superintendent. Uh, Roger, Day, you know all about it anyway, Mr. Mayor. We'll pass that on to the CL. That's uh, it's OK. Uh, Roger, Day. Uh, fire station, Apron Watch here. Could we have an ambulance to meet flight 205 from Manchester on stand 36? Hey, caller, flight 205, stand 36 from Manchester. Roger, Dane. Could you tell me there's much of a delay on the 668 flight to Zurich due to ATC strike? Okay, um, the aircraft for the 668 was. Uh, about half an hour out late this morning, so I reckon about a 30 minute delay outbound to get it out of Dublin at, um, it's a lucky see, about 16.30. Thank you very much. The pilot for the Aer Lingus 668 to Zurich is flight captain Colin Moriarty. Normally we have the teleprinter here, which gives us the actual weather for each of the aerodromes. It just types it out, but this is because of the telex strike at <laughs> the moment. Hello? It's not working. Hello, uh, uh, Zurich, please. Hello, Norton. Uh, to Zurich, you have 1st uh, over Ireland on the uh, Irish Sea and northerly flow. It becomes westerly over, uh, the, over France. My name is uh, William Ryan. I'm working here for uh, the last 20 years. I'm a pest controller, you know. My job is to... Uh, keep the rats and mice under control and also the cats which are um, a menace in the place you know well here with you you have your apprentice uh, a young man whom you're training in yes. here for the job yes so what is your feeling about this job how do you see it 
Oh, well, uh, it's um, it's a necessary job. Like, uh, the rats are a problem. Like, if they do get into buildings, they can cause havoc by frightening people for a start, you know. But uh, cats, I think the biggest problem, like, is if they get into uh, electrical equipment, you know, they can cause trouble, you know. But otherwise, it's what use do you make of binoculars in the control tower? Well, we use them primarily for uh, watching the movement of aircraft and also watching the airfield itself, particularly runways, for board activity, which at the moment, this time of the year, you get a lot of boards on the, air, on the airfield. And uh, a single board ingested into a jet engine can cost about... Ten, twelve thousand pounds worth of damage, so they're an annoyance to the uh, more than an annoyance, an expensive thing for airlines. So we monitor anything like that on the airfield. What sort of birds do you get around the airport here? In the morning time, you'll get seagulls flying in from the coast, and again sometimes in the evening. And the daytime, um, you get a lot of plover and crows. You get flocks of crows around the airfield in the afternoon around this time. And as I say, in about a few hours in the evening now we'll have uh, seagulls flying over. They seem to be attracted to the concrete areas particularly. I don't know, there's some reason for it, but um, it's a great problem with most airfields in the world, board control, so we have to be on our toes and keep an eye out for them all the time. And if you spot a, a large number of birds circling the airport, what do you do? Well, depending on uh, whether they're going to be a problem for aircraft, if they're away from the movement area, we don't want to disturb them and prepare to leave them there. But if they're affecting aircraft operations, we will advise the fire crew by telephone and then the fire crew will go out in a vehicle and they will scare off the boards either by use of flares or shotgun. A rescue two ground. Uh, rescue 2 is at the approach to taxi 12, requesting clearance onto runway 30 to carry out a bird scaling operation. Rescue 2 ground, you're clear to go onto runway 30. Rescue 2, clear to go. The air turbulence was forecast, which is. Um, for the passenger, it just means the aircraft begins to, the bump as it's going along. It's not associated with clouds or anything. And it can vary from moderate to severe. Now, if it's severe, you'd certainly try to avoid it. Even with moderate turbulence, you would leave the seatbelt sign on. So from the passenger point of view, you would uh, avoid it. But it has been Inside forecast. Inside here in the, in the belly of a um, Boeing 737 and uh, in, in the hangars in, in, in Dublin Airport, um, what exactly are you doing to this uh, aircraft? You're obviously doing a very major job on it. Well, this is an aircraft which is in for what is known as MBC, which is a major, the most major inspection any aircraft can get. It has uh, a life span of so many years between the number of these particular checks it gets. And at this stage, we're laying... Uh, the floor lock assembly which will take either a freight pallet or a seat pallet 
In, in fact, you have more or less gutted this aircraft. You have actually yes. taken it apart and, right. and reassembled it again. All bar the, the main support. Yes, bar the main support. Yeah. But you wouldn't normally do, do this sort of a job uh, to all aircraft, say on the day-to-day or week-to-week, no. month-by-month. What sort of repairs do you do here in the hangar? Well, we cover every aspect of repairs, but we would, the leg of this aircraft, like each of them have their own uh, period, uh, be it, uh, this particular model is a 737, a Boeing, and it will, over a number of years, it is due this uh, MBC. The, the same period of time wouldn't apply in the case of a, a BSC 111. What's your working day been like today? It would also well, it'll be to start last night. I finished last night at um, quarter, to, quarter to three, 2.30, because of this ATC delay in London. We were delayed about four hours out of London. So I finished work at, say, half two last night, uh, and I checked in here at uh, ten past three. We can't put our hand on the Zurich uh, item, just a second. OK. So we check in 50 minutes before a flight. So a flight like this, which is uh, the continental flights, it's not a terribly long flight. We're due back at nine o'clock. You know, you wouldn't take any, you wouldn't take, take any particular rest or anything like that. But on a longer flight, certainly on the inclusive tours, which are through the night or down to Rome, uh, Rimini. ZH fourteen twenty. We are now entering Pier B. Dublin Airport is normally serviced by two departure piers, namely Pier A and Pier B. Uh, due to a, a fairly restricted flight schedule over the past couple of years and general recession, it has been found that uh, one pier, namely Pier B, has been sufficient to handle departing passengers. With the general increase and, um, in, in flight traffic, it's anticipated that Pier A will reopen next year to handle the uh, increased demand. At the entrance point to Pier B, we have a first security check where a security officer checks that all individuals entering this area must hold a boarding card. We then proceed to a hand baggage uh, check, which is carried out on the, an X-ray machine. This machine will identify in the baggage whether any firearms may be present or not. OK, sir, place all your baggage there on the belt. Thank you. Walk to the metal detector and pick up your baggage at the other end. This is where the baggage are screened before the people go on board. All their hand luggage. Um, it's the last check before they go on board from the security check. How does it operate? There's a man mans it here on this side of the camera and he observes all the baggage going through. He uh, x-rays all the baggage. You can see there's anything like guns or anything in the bag that's not supposed to be there. He stops the baggage and takes no, it out here. He put up on this uh, screen in front of us here. This is very indistinct at the moment, you can see. But this is Ireland here, and this is the UK, and this is continental. And this is the general weather picture. Now he's putting Can up... you see this uh, at all? It's not very clear now. No, I'm sorry, but I, we are supposed to touch the... the oh, yeah, OK, I can see anyway, it now, actually. all the, the spherics are over Germany and uh, the north of Italy, but... There seems to be nothing uh, on the line from uh, the southeast of England to, to Zurich, except just perhaps one there, east of Paris. Okay. Uh, very far. Uh, that's fine. Uh, 
What about the return uh, back here? Will be okay? Uh, as forecast? Right okay, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, one, it's one of the more important aspects of the flight planning is checking the weather. Because certainly around Europe, the weather can change quite dramatically within a you know, couple of hours. So generally speaking, you're en route now. We'll be getting weather over the radio. We'll be listening to weather stations broadcasting. So we'll, we'll be able to pick up any trend, any change, even before it happens, we should be able to anticipate. So it's pretty comprehensive, the coverage on the, on the weather. How do you and your crew captain approach each flight? Each flight is separate and distinct in the sense there are certain um, fuel figures, which, for instance, we have a, a set figure for each place we go, and unless the wind there or the weather there is drastically changed, we wouldn't increase the fuel. For instance, if we were going to Zurich now, and Zurich was forecasting fog, and Geneva, all that area was bad, we would take extra fuel. In this case, we'll take what's called sector fuel, which is a computer's average fuel. In addition, in addition to the uh, X-ray baggage unit, we have also a, a walk-through body metal detector, which will indicate the presence of any metal uh, being carried on the person. Six six eight to Zurich uh, from Dublin to Zurich is out on the um, apron. What exactly is the procedure from your point of view with an aircraft like that? Well, from the engineering point of view, uh, incoming the aircraft is uh, met by a mechanic qualified to transit the airplane. He carries out an inspection of the aircraft in accordance with uh, regulations for serviceability and any defects which uh, the captain may enter in his tech log on arrival. Uh, any defects that may be on the aircraft are uh, rectified. The uh, aircraft is cleared for flight. Uh, during this period, the uh, interior of the aircraft has been cleaned and um, uh, seats, cushions and all the rest prepared put in preparation for the next uh, flight. Uh, fuel load is uh, produced by the load control section and this is passed uh, to the mechanic doing the transit check on the aircraft. The uh, fuelers are... Uh, contacted, they usually know the list of flights operating, they connect their bowsers to the aircraft and the mechanic monitors the uh, fueling to the uh, correct level and distribution. When the mechanic is satisfied that the aircraft is uh, fully serviced for flight, uh, correct fuel load and is ready for boarding, and he will pass this information uh, to the ground operations uh, supervisor who will uh, commence to uh, board the passengers. Scandinavian 538 ground, clear Dublin to Manchester, blue one, cross Liffey, flight level 150, request level change en route. Just to That's quite too many people on board. 72 total. Thank you, contact tower 118, that's six, bye bye. What exactly do you have to do from here? What, say when a, when a plane is going in or a plane is going out, what exactly is your job? We, our job in this respect is to provide mainly safe, safely, we must provide a safe operation. And in, in so doing, we must provide separation between aircraft routing the same route, either by vertical separation 
and that is one higher than the other. Lateral separation, which is uh, on different routes from the airfield, are longitudinal separation, that is time separation, one behind the other and keeping that time and distance between them. You're rather like the traffic policeman of the airport. Yes, uh, that could be in a general way, like a traffic policeman, but the difference between a traffic policeman and an air traffic controller is that although they may apply something like separate standards or right with regards to traffic, you must remember that the air traffic controller has uh, to deal with aircraft that cannot stop in the air. 872, cleared across runway 35 to holding point 06. Your flight plan to Luton is approved with special VFR clearance to the Dublin zone boundary. You go to Zurich now. What time do you expect to be there? And do you do intend to come back tonight, I gather, from something you said? Well, now, we're due, we were initially due to take off at 4 o'clock local, but because of um, this air traffic control delay in the London area, it affects aircraft taking off from here. It's rather like uh, traffic lights. Uh, we have to wait for a green to go, and there are airways which are rather like motorways in the air, and we have to wait to get our slot in that, which will get us to Zurich. Now, we're flying over the London area, so this affects us. And in this case, we've got a 40-minute delay and we're now taking off at uh, 4.40 local. Flight time is approximately two hours, so that just puts us in there at about half six. We have about an hour on the ground there, and we're due back here at nine o'clock local, and that finishes us then for the day. What kind of people fly this flight from Dublin to Zurich? Uh, well, it's Friday evening now, so I'd imagine they're mainly business people returning to the continent. Um, we will get some probably school children, you know, or pairs and that sort of thing. And there probably will be a smattering of uh, tourists, but I'm sure the traffic people would be more au fait with the law than I would be, you know. I would expect quite a few business people on this. Are we going to Zurich? Yes. Have you, have you worked here in this country? Are you on holidays? I have been holidays, yes. You've been in holidays here, yes. Uh, fisherman's holiday or... No, on the riverboat from Herigonshen we were going to Kilalwe and then back to... Uh, that was very nice. Where do you live on the continent? In Basel. I Basel. see. So Basel, you, Switzerland, yes. you fly into Zurich and then go to... The, uh, uh, with another plane to, to Basel. Uh, we have two weeks uh, car and one week we stay in Dublin. Oh, it's an easy flight, uh, I hope. But the weather is good. Have you been here on a holiday or are you here holiday. on business? Holiday. W- where do you come from? Zurich. And you're flying back? To Zurich. How long have you been here? Two weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, what have you done in the period? We went with the car. Mrs. Fitzgibbon. Because my daughter lives there. I see. Do you need to stay there for some time or are you just going on? Oh, I'm going for a visit, just about a month. Is it a regular flight for you from Dublin to Zurich? Well, she's only living in Zurich now since (laughs) February. So this is my first about to Zurich. I see. And you actually live in Zurich, too? No, no, I'm going to my daughter in Kreuzlingen. Oh, I see. Yeah, she's living there, too, married to And you, you, you are taking train or car from Zurich? Oh, they're meeting me at Zurich, yeah. Have you... 
Take, before? Taking this flight before from yes, Dublin? Yes, yes, I've been three times. Yes. I have gone overland as well, which I prefer if I have a friend, because you see the countryside, you know, it's lovely going through Belgium. That I like it at any rate. It's a nice way to go. Yeah, it is, if you have the time. Except it's very convenient to fly. If you want somebody with you, that's the only thing, you know. Only this way it's so quick. It's a short holiday, yeah. I see. Well, we're just connecting a flight with Zurich. We're not staying in Zurich. You, and where are you going to? To Val. Uh -huh. uh, have you have you taken this flight before? No, first time. Yes, and uh, have you been in Val before, in Switzerland before? No, we haven't. Yes, it's your first time. Are you brother and sister or? Oh, man and wife. Man and wife. Shortly. I see. To uh, Vegas on Lake Lucerne. Is this on a holiday? On a holiday. Uh, to. Um, uh, friends of yours or to my sister to our sister I should say uh, she's married to a Swiss and they have a lovely hotel on the Lake of Lucerne so we're having everything on the house you see and that's I why see. we're going to oh, such a dear good, country <laughs> uh, have you you've obviously been there before we go out every year well we don't all go every year but some of the family go every year and I have gone for about the last well, I suppose 15 consecutive years you're three sisters, in fact, are you? We're two sisters, and a sister -in -law. this is my sister-in-law. I see. Have you been, you've been there before? I've been there before, but not quite so often as Mona. I see. And uh, what part of the country do you come from, are you? We're originally from Dublin, and Mona's still in Dublin, but I married a Corkman, so I <laughs> went down on a single ticket. <laughs> How long do you intend to spend in Switzerland? I'm spending a fortnight. My sister will be three weeks. 668 ground, good afternoon. Stand by for push and start, please. The time 48, surface wind 0310 knots, runway 35 or 06. The temperature 17, QNH 1007, QFE 9999. That is affirmative, would advise now very shortly. Looking from the terminal building, an onlooker sees you as the last person who has touched this aircraft. You are an aircraft mechanic. What exactly do you do? Well, when the aircraft is fully uh, loaded and all the doors are closed, the pilot uh, requests permission from the control tower to start his engines. We give the pilot clearance to start his engines if there's nobody in the way or anything else that would damage the engines. He then starts his engines. When the engines are running, the pilot again receives permission from the control tower to push the airplane back from the stands. He uh, passes this information to us by radio control. We then push the aircraft back off the stand and when we are fully back we ask the pilot to apply the brakes. He puts on the brakes and when the aircraft is fully ready to taxi away under his own power we disconnect the tow bar and the tractor we inform the captain that he is clear to taxi and we break radio contact and after this all contact is made by hand signals. We then signal to the captain that he is clear to taxi and he taxis out to the end of the runway. It looks like a very dangerous job. Well it is only dangerous if you through carelessness walk in front of an engine intake. There are certain guidelines that you take. You must walk so many feet away from the intake otherwise you will be sucked in. Now here in the stand there are fire bottles. What purpose do they serve? 
these fire bottles must be on every stand that there is an aircraft on to ensure that if the aircraft goes on fire during start-up, you will have a fire bottle to extinguish the fire. Okay, this Erlinga 68 now has a slot time. Is he to get priority and clear him to start? Roger, uh, I'll be in the fact start yet. No, I haven't given them a start yet. Okay, give the 668 fire. Erlinga 668, your uh, time of 1600 plus or minus 3 is still good. You're clear to start and push. Thank you. Does your crew remain the same all the time? Do you work with the same crew and do you see yourself as a member of a crew or as the leader of a crew? Well, first of all, the first question is, no, the crew changes all the time. Um, we were both flying last night, but we were flying with different... He was flying with a different captain and I had a different co-pilot, and the same thing happens tomorrow. Now, as regards the philosophy on board, it is quite definitely um, a team effort. It's very, very important. In fact, uh, we include the cabin staff in this. We have... There's a big change in emphasis on the, the air hostess's job now, for instance. Um, in the old days, it was purely, you know, tea, coffee, and nice smiles. Now, our primary function is um, an emergency function. In the event of emergency, she is responsible, and so are we, for getting the passengers off the aircraft. And we have, in the last three or four years, changed our whole philosophy in this respect. So they are now quite highly trained in emergency equipment and emergency evacuations. And we have a, a section out here which, in which they, they do training every year on the various types and various equipment. So as regards the flight today now, yes, we are a team. And as captain, I am leader of that team. But I have my specific duties. It's not a question of sitting back and telling people what to do. Erlinga 668, third push. Erlinga 668, taxi holding point runway 06, standby for crossing runway 35. Erlinga 668 is cleared across runway 35. Erlinga 668, ground copy your ATC clearance, cleared Dublin to Zurich, red 14, green 1, amber 1, cross Vartry, flight level 230, request level change en route. Red 14, green 1, flight on track Vartry, 230, request level change en route. That is correct, and 668, contact Dublin Tower 118.6. Bye-bye now. 668, hold clear, runway 06. 668, cleared at line up at runway 06 and hold. Heading 668, uh, we're on our way now and straight ahead to 3000 feet on our right turn for Archery. 